Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 25 of the 411 On Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. And before we get into things, I just want to say a sincere thank you. Um, You guys as an audience continue to be awesome. Um, And honestly, I feel rather humbled here because I know it's such a crowded marketplace for wrestling podcasts, uh, and especially one that's not ran by someone in the business. Um, Just uh, you guys continue to be so supportive. And our last episode where we, um, you know, just... We spoke about the whole John Moxley and AEW thing and all that and just broke it down and his interview on Talk is Jericho was our most listened to podcast ever and I cannot thank you enough for that and uh, I hope we continue doing well and uh, make the show worth your time. Joining me today is a good friend, good brother, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you today? I am doing well. I'm glad this podcast is successful in spite of me. That's right. Somehow I'm making it work besides, you know, <laughs> despite you and Cook now. Yeah, you have me on at least once a week, and somehow this podcast is successful. <laughs> I don't know how that works. No, yeah, we're we're having a good time, and I, I think that's just the uh, the whole thing. We're having a good time. We're talking about interesting things, throwing out some good content. It's a good time, and uh, yeah, and there's just a there's a ton to talk about lately, which is always good for us. Wrestling is amazing right now, and That's it's right. going to get even crazier, and uh, I guess August 31st is when it's going to start getting crazier. Yeah, definitely a stacked day, and we will talk about that, and uh, yeah, so we're kind of, we're talking about more John Moxley today, we're going to talk TakeOver, we're going to talk about WWE versus the World in August, uh, All Elite Wrestling buy rates, TakeOver 25, and Super Showdown 2019. So to start us off today, Jeremy, I will shoot to you first, and I will ask you this question. Is John Moxley the biggest star in wrestling right now? He's the biggest star to a certain audience. Um, it's tough it's tough to quantify a star in wrestling right now, at least to me, because WWE has almost ruined the star market. Uh, you look at everybody in WWE and there's no one where you're like, yeah, this person is like just this huge superstar that you want to go out of your way to see. I, I guess in their eyes, it's Roman Reigns and a lot of people's eyes, at least pre-WrestleMania, it, it was Becky Lynch. Um, if we're counting John Cena, it's still John Cena. Like if this guy appears on your television, he, he's going to boost everything across the board. But they've like, it's really the company right now. And it's, and it's not so much one singular person. Moxley is now out of the company. He's doing fantastic, even though he hasn't wrestled a single match uh, on his own right now with all these interviews. And he's certainly the most interesting and appealing wrestler out there to real to the hardcore market. I don't know if casuals or, you know, if you put John Moxley on television, like if he just went back to WWE tomorrow, the ratings are going to stay the same. So it, it's a weird thing to me just because it's tough to quantify what a star is in wrestling nowadays because the the term has honestly been devalued 
And, and that's not a good thing. It's just almost a reality of the situation right now. So I don't know if he's the absolute biggest star. If we can count John Cena, like John Cena is still the guy. Uh, but he is the absolute biggest star to a significant portion of, of the market right now, if that makes any sense. Well, John Cena doesn't count because he's never around anymore. But technically, you are right when you say John Cena. Because Dare you. John it, Cena it, was just at WrestleMania. I guess technically, yes, he was part of WrestleMania, sure. But no. Yeah, I I guess when it comes to... Because when he does come back and he does work live events, he actually does move house show numbers, and he makes a difference in that regard. So he's probably the closest thing WWE has to a legit star. And that is in large part due to the fact of his longevity and the fact that he's doing things outside of wrestling. Which adds to his star power. That's I'm not saying that to diminish from it, but yeah, it's just um. But I mean, in reality, though, he's just he's not around. But so I'll, I'll give that to you on a technicality in terms of WWE and WWE in terms of star power. Just feels like there's nobody because, as you said, and we've talked about this several times. It's all about the brand. Um, ever since the early two, you know early to mid 2000s when you had the stuff with uh, Brock leaving and then like you had Lashley leave and some other things happen. Vince has been very hesitant to really, really, really dive in deep and make a big star. Uh, he's, he's had John Cena. He's always had John Cena to a point. He's kept with John Cena and that was it. And now, you know, he's tried with Roman and obviously not the greatest results with Roman. And it's just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But um, in terms of Moxley, right now in terms of, from someone that runs a website and runs a podcast and analyzes data and stuff, right now he feels like the biggest star in wrestling. Uh, you look at the numbers he did on the Jericho podcast. And then just, I'm looking at numbers that we've done on the site with the various Moxley articles and interview recaps. And you look at Google Trends and then you just, you kind of mix all that together and then you see, you know, he's in AEW, he's going to wrestle for AEW, he's going to wrestle for New Japan. And maybe star isn't going to be the best word and it's going to annoy some people for sure. But I would dare say that there's nobody with more buzz in wrestling right now. And you have to have buzz and you have to have popularity to have star power. So I think to some degree you can make the argument that he is the biggest star in wrestling right now. And don't fucking hit me with your Brock Lesnar bullshit that some of you are going to hit. Just because Vince is an idiot and keeps throwing money at Brock to not move the ratings and to not really have a major impact on any metrics because God knows he doesn't work house shows and live events to boost that. I mean, Brock is Brock. Vince likes having him around. He's a fucking toy. I have Brock Lesnar and you don't. That's the big thing for Vince. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think you could make the argument that Moxley is the definitely the most buzz and possibly the biggest star in wrestling right now in 2019. And, that is definitely a headline, even if you're not serious, even if you were joking, that you would not have thought of coming into this year, Jeremy. 
It's I, I like the the term buzz. There's definitely no one with more buzz than him right now. He had that buzz when he released the 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 Moxley return video at midnight on May first. Uh, yeah, star. Yeah, I think it's tough to just quantify that term in wrestling. I'm not even sure if I'm using quantify right, uh, but it's it's tough to define that term maybe uh, in wrestling right now because it it's just been devalued like. There's no one that's on the level of where guys were in the 90s, even where guys were in the 80s and stuff. But certainly to a a certain market, to the hardcore online fan base, and and even maybe a little beyond that, there's no one hotter than, than Moxley right now. But if he shows up, you know, if he's just back in WWE tomorrow as Dean Ambrose things really aren't going to change that much. And that's because I, I just think WWE's devalued the term. Here, Here's one thing when it comes to Moxley and kind of how hot he is. First off, he's done a great job of just getting himself out there. He did the one interview with Jericho. That blew up, and now he's done, it seems like, an interview with everybody. And that's all you know any website can can talk about that you know everybody's pulling quotes from the from these interviews and whatnot and running multiple articles on it and like that's what you're supposed to do and he's kept himself out there wwe created a star for another company essentially and and this is a credit to what wwe did with him because you look at a guy like ty dillinger sean spears he was released you know earlier than moxley but kind of they could start their independent run at the same time i mean they were both on the double or nothing show last week and you look at the positioning of those two guys one guy was announced for this pre-show battle royal and whatever the other guy comes out and he he attacks the two main eventers and now he's you know a big part of their scene like wwe boosted his profile as dean ambrose they made him a focal point on television for five six years he's the world champion he he got accomplished many different accolades and then they let him go and now he's the hottest thing ever for another company and it it speaks to what WWE can do but it also speaks to one moxley being good at just creating that buzz for himself with those videos to the positioning of aew because if if moxley goes to roh or impact let's say aew doesn't exist if he goes to roh or impact he he's not getting the same kind of like reception and and buzz like neither of those companies have any buzz right now they're it's just like oh okay he's on the independent scene cool uh but aew is looked at rightfully so as a a viable number two option with the the deals they have uh created in a in a short period of time and three, it says a lot about what WWE can do for, I guess, other companies because they turn this guy into a quote-unquote WWE star for five, six years, and then he leaves, and now he might be a bigger star than anybody else in wrestling, including those in WWE. So it'd be cool if they could do this for their own company somehow. He's definitely, I will say this, he's definitely a bigger star right now than at any point when he was in WWE. And that includes his run as WWE champion because he's never felt more important. He's never felt more in demand. 
And people are going to think that this is silly, but like, like you said, if he went to ROH or Impact, there would be no buzz. I mean, he could have released a video, and the video would have been cool, and it probably would have ended there. Because like you said, it's like ROH can be good sometimes, but there's no buzz. Impact can be good sometimes, there's no buzz. But you go to AEW, which is a company that is basically born on fan service. And playing to the fan base that has got them where they are so far, which is starting a company. And people really kind of don't think about that a lot. But besides the fact that Double or Nothing was a home run of a show, there's a reason why people wanted to support it. There is a reason why people have talked about it you know, a week after it was over, you know, there is a reason. And that's because like when you watch WWE, a lot of the time, WWE has their weird language and their buzzwords and they're putting on their show that they put on 52 weeks a year, twice a week on Raw and SmackDown. And it's the big dog and all that stuff. And I'm, that's not a shot at Roman. That's not his fault. It's just, you know, it's just the WWE lingo and bullshit on Twitter. Like, are you a sports entertainment enthusiast? <laughs> no. No, fuck you. I'm not. I'm a fucking wrestling fan, goddammit. So it's like shit like that. But the AEW stuff is it right now. It, it has that goodwill with fans. They haven't done anything to ruin it yet. Obviously, it's early on. I mean, everybody can fuck up and it could happen. But right now, it's it feels like they're trying to give fans what they think fans want. And fans are being very receptive to that. Because there is a obviously a large segment of fans that are either done with WWE or they want very little to do with WWE. I mean... I can't tell you like how many times a week when I do like the NXT and NXT UK and 205 live recaps that there are a bunch of people that say like, you know, I watch the pay-per-views just because they're on the network, but I don't watch Raw and SmackDown, but I watch these network shows because I find them more enjoyable than the main roster stuff. So there's to a, there's a point that WWE has alienated a lot of their fan base, and I think that the 25% year-to-year drop in the ratings kind of shows that. And the fact that after WCW closed, you know, and Steve Cook and I talked about this on our throwback podcast, and you had a whole, you had like 7, 8 million fans, easy, still watching wrestling at the end of WCW, combined with Raw. And then when WCW ended, those fans ended up staying away. And nobody expects it to be like 1998 and there to be, you know, fucking 15 million fans watching wrestling you know, on Monday night. But it sounds kind of pathetic when it's like, you know, it's barely two sometimes or, you know, it's struggling to stay at an average of three. And the, the WWE said it just keeps dropping and there's and everybody's getting, oh, cord cutting and it's summertime and. You know, the basketball games are on. It's like, why is there always an excuse? There's always an excuse. But, like, if it's anybody else, well, why are you guys making an excuse for them in the news posts? You know, so it's it's very frustrating. 
But Moxley definitely, definitely has done an awesome job. And for the longest time, I had said that, you know, Cody Rhodes uh, engineered the best WWE exit with the list and all the stuff he did. And he was very smart in how he got out there, how he cut deals with promoters, how he worked with people. But uh, Dean Ambrose deciding to suck it up Buttercup and just do his best and work out his contract and everything and completely avoid getting buried... I mean, yes, Drew McIntyre. They were, they were kind to this man. Exactly. I mean, yes, he got laid out a lot by uh, Drew McIntyre and stuff like that. But he was not buried. And, you know, I when when he was done, I said I was completely shocked that they didn't bury him six feet under. And people wondered why. Why would you say that? Why would you want them to do that? It's not that I wanted him to do that. From a business point of view... Anybody that has that kind of, you know, that you made a WWE champion, that you made part of one of the most dominant factions in the company's history, that had that much TV time, you just don't let them go with like a fucking grandiose send-off like you did there. I mean, no offense, wrestling is a business, it's not the... um. It's not the let's be nice to everybody club at times, and everybody gets upset when you talk about that. But um, I would have buried the fuck out of him on the way out. Ambrose himself was uh, the the talk is Jericho. I think it was that one. He's done so many, and they all run together to me right now. But when they talked about you know WWE put out the press release of yeah his contract expires here, like that shocked him. And I guess because they wanted to get out in front of the story and control it. But by doing that, you're basically telling your audience, this guy is leaving. So when we beat him, uh, like this is, this is why, and, and it doesn't have the same effect. Like that was the, that was essentially the EC3 effect is they could have made EC3. They, they could have made anybody like you, you get victories over Dean Ambrose. You have a good final last story against Dean Ambrose and, and you beat him on the way out. And it's like, Oh, that guy's kind of set up for a little while until they, they screw it up now. And instead, you know, EC3 beats him. The crowd turned against it because they knew Ambrose was leaving and they saw right through it. And then Ambrose gets his win back and we haven't really heard from EC3 since they, they tried to put some heat on McIntyre it sort of worked, but really didn't. And they've been so gun shy with McIntyre that I've given up on him actually getting a, a, a substantial push out of anything because they just they don't seem to know what they want to do with that guy, and and, and that's a shame. Um, and then they did the whole Shield reunion specials and everything, and they really hyped that stuff up. Like Ambrose. Ambrose himself was confused by it and it fed into the oh it, it's a work like he's not actually leaving like the, this is clearly like why would they do all this and if if he wasn't staying and this kind of shows that they didn't quite know what they were doing with this guy even at the very end because instead of using him to put over a, a new young talent or anything like that they milked the shield reunion to try to get extra money out of that and made him into a bigger deal when he showed up at AEW because 
people legitimately thought this was a, a work and that he was going to stay in WWE. So they, they botched this guy's like exit as well. It's good shit, pal. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, Ambrose has said a lot of things, but the, the whole like controlling, like Vince's obsession with just controlling everything. Cause that, that's what it came down to. He wanted to control Ambrose's exit of, yeah, we're not going to let this be a report out there and have that over us. We're going to put this press release out there. You know, we're not going to let you just go out there. We're not just going to have you sit at home and do nothing. We're going to use you down and do these shield reunions. And we're going to put you out in front of the crowd to say goodbye. And Ambrose is like, I'm not saying goodbye to the audience. Like, they're going to keep watching. They're going to watch AEW. But I'm saying goodbye to, like, you guys. And, like, you could you could kind of see through it almost because – you you knew what they were doing. They kept doing this stuff in hopes that maybe this guy will will change his mind. Let's pair him up with Roman and Seth, his two best friends, and let's have them kind of talk to him and get him to change his mind and everything. And Ambrose was, I mean, he said he was set a year ago on leaving this company. Like the this final couple of weeks wasn't going to change anything for him, especially when it sounds like he was talking to AEW and New Japan since. I would have to, since February, I guess, that's when he shot those promos. So he was probably talking to them since February, if not sooner. Like, this guy was set on leaving, and WWE made him, again, they're great at creating stars for other companies. It was WWE's desperation to control the narrative and to try to desperately keep him that is ultimately... That led to where we are right now. We're fucking still talking about John Moxley a week after Double or Nothing. He's done these interviews. He's about the debut for New Japan, which we'll talk about in our next show. We'll break down his debut at the uh, Best Super Juniors Finals against Juice Robinson. And uh, there's a lot of speculation about the work he's going to do for New Japan, and we'll deep dive into that when we talk about it. And but yeah, it's uh, it's quite amazing when you look at it, Jeremy and. You know, speaking of double or nothing, uh, I think that's what I want to hit on next is double or nothing has reportedly done 98,000 traditional U.S. pay-per-view buys. Now, going into the show, Jeremy and I, uh, I will freely admit, and we can, uh, I think we'll take an L on this one, Jeremy, is that we talked about the price tag, how it may be a barrier of entry for some people. But um, it's looking like they've done almost 100,000 buys on traditional pay-per-view. And that doesn't count buys on Bleacher Report. Uh, that doesn't count international buys through, like, Fight TV and stuff. This is just, you know, U.S., Canada, like, traditional pay-per-view buys. So, number one, they they almost did 100,000 buys. Number two, they almost uh, did the highest ECW buys, which was 99000 Number three, they smoked Impact and ROH in terms of pay-per-view buys. Because I believe ROH's biggest was 30 to 40, and Impact's was something like 60, which was Joe versus Angle. So, uh, AEW does uh, almost 100,000 pay-per-view buys. Jeremy, your thoughts? Uh, I think it, it does include internet streaming um numbers so i think it does include the 
the Bleacher Report stuff. No, not, not, not including the, I was listening to Dave this morning talk about it on Observer Radio, and he said it doesn't include the Bleacher Report stuff. This is all, all, right, this well, is he, all cable and satellite. He lied in the Observer then, because the Observer said that it, it's traditional and internet streaming. So, Well, maybe, I don't know. What the fuck? <laughs> God I, damn I, it, Dave. Yeah, I, so he's... One way or another, he seems to be wrong or, or you know, correcting himself on something. Whether, you know, whether it's true. I, I truthfully imagine it includes internet streaming just because 100,000 for traditional seems. And, and if, you know, if that's what it is, credit to these guys because that's like, that's fucking huge. It's already huge. But, you know, almost 100,000 just traditional is, is ginormous. Um but I, I that that seems a little hefty considering like how many people just have internet access and want to watch it online and whatnot nowadays. I either way, let, let's I, I don't know what assumption we're operating under here because we don't seem to have the 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 complete facts on this because Dave is a, a little all over the place. Um, but as far as the the number goes, a hundred thousand, it, it's a it's a massive number. Yeah, we were both worried that that $50 was a little bit high and people still clearly paid for it. I I do wonder like if it was $25 how much they they could have done. It's not it's almost like all in where they sold out all in, but then you look at the gate and it was like 13,000 or I think that was the the attendance, but but the gate was like fairly low because the the ticket prices weren't all that high and you know, could you have sold more tickets then and gotten more money out of that? So could you have lowered the price in this instance and done more buys? And if you could have, would that have equaled more revenue? I am not privy. Mookie Ghana would know these numbers since he works for them. Um, like, I, I'm not privy to that stuff. I do wonder how it would have worked out if there was a, a lower price point. But still, 100000 at the the $50 price point is is a pretty, pretty big deal and, and is certainly a significant number. It's assuming it includes the streaming, then, you know, I, it's not shocking that it beat ROH or Impact or any of these shows because I think when Impact was was super hot with, with Christian and Angle and Joe and all these guys, uh, they could have, if they had streaming capabilities, Maybe they could have done similar numbers. They probably still would have fallen short because it's it's impact and they just screwed up everything. Um, but they like you know they didn't come close to this. And, and let's say it, it does include streaming, then you're still looking at fifty thousand traditional. Because I, I think in the Observer it says like it, it's equal number of traditional and and streaming. So you're looking at fifty thousand. Um, and traditional which is still like really really strong and still stronger than what a lot of the impact shows were doing even when they were hot exactly it's um yeah i'm a little surprised but i think it's i think it's really really cool um if if the ninety eight thousand number let's just you know play around if that is just traditional pay-per-view buys and not online and then the online is on top of that that will be even more impressive and i guess um I guess things will start shaking out here in the next couple of weeks because, you know, as we find out more, hopefully. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a 
it's definitely they they should definitely be happy with that to start off with. And again, I think a lot of that comes with kind of the fan service theory I was talking about and the fact that when you're actually trying to deliver a product for fans and you're trying to not alienate people and stuff and you're trying to bring people in and just deliver um i mean a lot of good things can happen because and we're to be talking about nxt coming up here and a lot of a lot of the reason people enjoy nxt is because they feel like it's a product more designed for them they don't feel like the shows overstay their welcome. The TV's simple. It's to the point. It builds to the pay-per-view matches. And then you get a TakeOver special, which just kicks ass all the time. And, I mean, it's hard to... It's, you know, you can't get frustrated with that. Because, I mean, I just want uh, a, a wrestling show to be a wrestling show sometimes. And I want it to deliver and all that. And... But I will say that there is one thing that is extremely frustrating about the NXT TakeOver specials, Jeremy, and that is that it's always a great show, and this weekend show was no exception. But the thing that pisses me off the most is that these specials and NXT TV, basically, are a glimpse of what the overall WWE product could be but refuses to be. And someone's going to go, well, you can't just run it like a super indie. And they're going to bitch, and oh, Triple H will run it into the ground and all this bullshit. Here's the point. WWE has an insanely talented group of wrestlers on their roster. Guys that aren't even being used that are fucking awesome. They have a warehouse full of talent. They have the deepest and most talented roster in the history of wrestling for the most part. It's diverse, it's just men, women, everything, tag teams. And then, the reason that the NXT specials thrive is because every time I watch a special, you sit there and I just walk away with the feeling that that worked because they were put in the position to succeed. They were put in the place to deliver. Like, you sit there, we talked about uh, in the preview how we were looking forward to Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong. How it looked like a great match on paper, stylistically and everything. And they opened the show with that. And they have a fucking great match. Just crushed it. It was pretty much, I think, what everybody wanted from the match. Hard-hitting, mix of submission work, hot crowd, everything worked. But that was the whole card. People being put in position to succeed. And I don't know what you think about that, Jeremy, so I'll go to you. The let, Let's recognize that NXT does have certain advantages. First off, one hour of television. I think we all can agree that three hours is just... Everyone knows it's too much. It, like Everyone recognizes it. That's why people love SmackDown a lot more, because it's two hours. It's easier to digest. You're not throwing guys out there. I guess they have been with Kevin Owens lately, um, but you're, you're not always throwing guys out there too much. You can you can build a little bit more. Guys aren't quite as overused. You know, Daniel Bryan might be not, might not be on the show one week and then he's there the next week. Like NXT does that same thing. Is you might see Kushida one week and then not see him the next week. Like Kushida's 
not even on the takeover special. A guy like Keith Lee, he's been in NXT for a couple months now, not on the takeover special. Like NXT has a, a talented, talented roster, and these guys aren't even on television, aren't aren't even on takeover specials yet because they just build them up, they let them sit, they give them a week off. Like they they make this stuff feel special. And Ambrose had or Moxley. It's gonna take me a while to get used to calling him Moxley over Ambrose. He had a he had a very good point and a point that's it's not new, um, but you know coming from a guy who was there every week and a top guy, he had a, he had a very good point. I think it was on the uh, the Wade Keller podcast that he did, where for three hour Raw he basically just said you know they they just retread the same matches and how many times have, have you know fans mentioned this? It's like oh god we're gonna get. Lashley against Balor for the 13th time or we're, we're going to get Rollins versus Corbin again or you know it's it's the same matches maybe with somebody new mixed in or something but it's it's a match you've seen like how many times do they do like oh it's a money in the bank rematch it's a Wrestlemania rematch like okay you now you've just made these shows like less important like these matches less important like we're getting pay-per-view matches on television every single week and it's tough to care when you see that stuff so, so often and and moxley's point was you know instead of doing me versus bray wyatt three straight weeks how about doing me versus bray wyatt one week and then the next week you show clips of the match you tell a story about it we sit at home and you give tyler breeze some time on television and it's like, yeah, why don't you do that? Like, why do I need to see Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins wrestle every single week? Like, why do the brand split has been so botched? And like, why can't you just do this wild card rule? So now Roman Reigns, who was the biggest SmackDown acquisition in history, is still on Raw every week. It's so, so stupid. Build up people like just rotate guys in and out you've got so much talent just sitting back there doing nothing i don't need five segments with roman reigns i i don't need 40 minutes of kofi kingston and dolph ziggler that was legitimately the open of raw 40 minutes of kofi kingston uh some seth rollins some brock lesnar and dolph ziggler it was it was 40 minutes of, of no wrestling though is, is the is the point and, like i i don't i don't need that like let other guys get a chance to shine and tell tell a story. Not everyone needs to be on the show every single week. And everyone recognizes that three hours is very hard to fill and you want to keep these guys on the show. You want to keep them busy. Like they can be on the show. They don't have to wrestle every single week. They don't have to keep doing the same matches every single week. Give, put new guys in there. Let Rollins just show up as a pre-tape. Like he doesn't have to wrestle that night. And then when he does wrestle on television, it actually feels like a big deal. I don't know about you, Larry, but when Raw was one hour way back in the day and they would say like, I remember it was Shawn Michaels when he was the champion against Salvatore fucking sincere. And in 2019, me would be like, well, this is a dumb match. Like Shawn Michaels is easily going to beat him. There's no way they're going to put the title on Salvatore sincere. But um, 1996, me who, who didn't know any better, like I was mad that I fell asleep before this match took place and I could not wait to like go back and rewatch the tape to see who won this match because Shawn Michaels was wrestling and I was like oh man if he's wrestling like maybe he loses maybe they take the title off of him and 
you don't have that anymore because if Seth Rollins is just wrestling in the main events, like, all right, it's another Seth Rollins main event. We get this every single week. Um, so NXT has the advantage in there and that's why NXT can feel more special. And that like, but that is the frustrating part with WWE is they don't seem to recognize these things. It's just, here's your three hours every single week. Here's your two hours every single week. It's a lot of the same. It's very mundane there and there's nothing engaging. Yeah. There, they, I, I get what, you know, the point that NXT does have certain advantages that, you know, an hour of TV, obviously, um, the, 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 the takeover specials are not nine hour fucking pay-per-views, but again, these are all things that put those talents in a position to succeed. Do you know how refreshing it is when once or twice a year, they don't start raw with a fucking 20 minute promo. Do you know how much I love that? Because it rarely ever happens. Do you know what I would love for is to not see any more main events involving Baron Corbin, Lashley, and Drew McIntyre as the fucking boar horseman? I mean, I just can't fucking, like, rinse, wash, and fucking repeat, man. I just, I can't do it. I And it's fucking killing me. It's, it's zapping my life, my will to live. This is... This is what the brand split was supposed to be for. This is why you had. We have the wild card now, Jeremy. It's good shit, pal. Like this is why you had brand specific pay per views is so you could build stars and and get more people on television and let more people shine. But then you didn't know how to actually do that, so you do the wild card rule and you fall back on the same, literally the same one star that they think is going to boost everything and no offense to Roman Reigns a lot of this is not his fault but he's he's not boosting anything like he's just he's part of the machine and instead of being the machine like like they want him to be like an Austin like a rock like a Cena like he he is just part of the machine and there's no nothing more special about a Roman Reigns Honestly, than there is about about a Seth Rollins or or a Becky Lynch or, or anybody like that, and those are literally like the only three people on a level above everyone else in the company. Um, but they're, they're, I don't feel that there's anything more special about Roman Reigns than there is, say, like Daniel Bryan. And when they come out, I, I'm engaged. I'm more engaged with Daniel Bryan, but. I, I don't think anybody's like going out of their way to to just see a, another Roman Reigns match or anything like that. It's just you're supposed to have this brand split to just build multiple stars. And you could I did a big thread on Twitter of like how you could essentially create competition within your own company. And this is something they do literally once a year. Uh Survivor Series, the one time a year when Raw and SmackDown superstars face off. Bullshit! And... It happens every fucking week, twice a week now! <laughs> yeah. Uh, like You could have created competition within your own company. Is like, oh, Raw did this, now let's see if SmackDown can top that. And like just getting more guys on there and like doing actual trades, doing actual, like, run it kind of more like a two sports entities, but instead it's just it's more of the same and everybody wants ratings. And so they, they rely on the, the the same one or two people to try to boost those ratings. 
and the ratings aren't going anywhere. They're they're still oh, they're going exactly down. where they're at. Yeah, they're they're going down, if anything, and and that seems like an issue to me. Oh my god, it's so goddamn frustrating to to sit there and see all the experience they have behind the scenes, and to see this roster they have. And then to watch the the general amount of bullshit that they put out on Monday and sometimes Tuesday. Sometimes Tuesday is better, but yeah, it's just so frustrating. I get so excited for Wednesday because NXT UK is at least solid, if not some weeks really good. And I enjoy the weekly NXT stuff. And 205 Live, everybody's like, oh, well, they lost all the really cool guys, but it's still at least a smartly done show. And still good, at least. It's not super exciting, but at least it's good. I'll re- I'd rather watch all that shit. I know it's only one hour, but you know what? That's not my fault. I'm not the one who took the cash grab to get the third hour. I'm not the one who sabotaged my own programming. I'm not the one who, you know, did all that and it led to, you know, spiraling down ratings and all that shit. It's, it's not my fault. And I love everybody... The best one is I always love the... the uh, they just, just, uh, can't you just have fun, crew? I try to have fun Monday night. It's not my fault that the fucking show sucks. The, I always love the comments of, like, you just hate watch, you, you go in, like, wanting to hate it. Like, we talk about it all the time. Ne- neither of us want to spend five hours a week watching bad shit. Like there, there's so much good wrestling out there. I don't want to spend my three hours every Monday night watching bad stuff. Unfortunately, for both of us, we have to because it's part of our job. And whether we like it or not, WWE is the biggest company out there. And sure, I, I'd much rather watch like Uncharted Territory from Beyond Wrestling or the the latest Progress show or any of this other stuff or or bar wrestling. I don't know if you can stream bar wrestling or GCW. Like some of that stuff is, is really good when I get a chance to watch it. Um, being part of, of websites, you more or less running a website. A nobody's clicking on bar wrestling news. Uh, that that's not, that's not making us money. Um, WB is. And so we've got to watch it. We've got to cover it. We would like it to be enjoyable because we all like we do this because we love wrestling. It's no fun for us to watch this and not enjoy it. Yeah, I don't like wasting time on Monday night. Trust me, I got a family. I have a new little kitten. I have a fucking awesome orange cat wearing a bow tie right now. Okay, I saw that orange Casazanka. Uh, I know, dude. I'm just saying I, I have shit I could be doing. I don't need to be watching shitty Raw every Monday night except for the fact that I have to because it's my job. I don't want to be. I don't want the show to suck. I want it to be good. And again, it, it, people are like, well, you just... I, I love how you have one sect of people who say, I bitch just a bitch. And then there's another group who say, I, I'll give the show like a three or a four and they're like, you're too easy on this show. It's like, I said it sucked. What do you want me to say? There's only so many different ways I can say Raw sucks every fucking week, Okay. It's it's not my fault that it's bad, but yeah, I just Let's, oh my god, I just I want the show to be good. I I don't expect it to be 
a pay-per-view every week. But don't sit there and give me, like... Like, one week there was, like, eight matches. And, like, all of them were, like, maybe okay at best. And it's just like, you know what? Maybe if you trimmed out, like, three of the really short matches and gave the time to a couple of the other ones and the wrestling actually felt a little more worth it, the show would have been better. Maybe if we didn't spend 20 minutes talking at 8 o'clock and 20 minutes talking at 9 o'clock and 20 minutes talking at 10 o'clock and we could have done some other things instead of just doing that bullshit, maybe the show would have flow, you know, flowed a little better. Just spitballing here, but maybe. Yeah, it's raw. If you miss a week, you miss two weeks, you miss three weeks. It doesn't feel like you, you miss anything. It's all paced the same. Everything feels the same. Everyone sounds the same. Uh, you know, guys come out to the ring. They stand in the ring for five minutes. Like, hey, let's throw to this video package. It's like, can't you just run this video package before they go out there so they don't just look like idiots standing in the ring? You know, uh, you're right though. Trust me. <laughs> when I was in the hospital, there was a couple Mondays I missed because I was, I was delightfully delirious on pain medication. And, um, like I, I ended up would watch like the next week and I'm like, wasn't this on last week? And it's like, yeah, I'll joke about shit like that in reviews, but like when you're like actually missing a week and then you feel like that, it's insane. But WWE is just, ah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say like, and this is to Moxley's point of, you know, you can do this stuff. It's good that they recap this stuff. I have no problems with that. The problem is, <laughs> is they double recap everything because you have Seth Rollins coming out there and, all right, let's throw to a video package. And then Seth Rollins on the microphone tells the exact same story, like chronological order of everything we just saw in the video package. And then maybe he makes a new point. And to, to Moxley's point is just do the video package and and then either get to the new point or bring out someone new and, and or that's it like you don't have to keep it's just so repetitive and they fill time with repetitiveness and that's like that's the worst way to fill time and that's the other thing there's another point to this too is the fact that um i always talk about how there's like such a severe lack of good to great promo work in WWE it's like it's you. It's like needle in a haystack. It's like you get some really good Daniel Bryan stuff from time to time, but like the problem with the WWE promo style is that you make these fuckers go out there for fifteen to twenty minutes, and they're not cutting a promo. They're telling a story, and some will say a promo is a story. But what I'm referring to is no. They're literally telling a story. Like you were just talking about, Seth Rollins will come out and he will say, Chapter One. Baron Corbin is an asshole, and blah, 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 blah. And he will sit there and recap the last four weeks of his issues with Baron Corbin. And then they'll show a video package. And then he, he'll come back and he go, and then I'm going to finally face Baron Corbin, and I'm going to stomp that fucker into the mat and keep my title. And it's like, you, you're not cutting a promo, you're telling a story. And the problem with that is, <coughs> excuse me, is the overall promo style because you're asking them to do this. And, like, Moxley made a great point. He was talking about that 
if Roddy Piper or Dusty Rhodes came into the developmental system right now, they likely wouldn't be revered as the great promos they are because they would be shuffled into this bullshit style WWE has them do with people handing you scripts and telling you how to talk and everything. And, like, my favorite thing to always bring up is, Jeremy, can you name me a great 20-minute Dusty Rhodes promo? No, most of Dusty Rhodes' promos were quick hitters. That's right. There were no fucking 20-minute Dusty Rhodes promos. They were all, like, 90 seconds to 4 to 5 minutes tops. And that's, yeah, it's that's because that's when people cut promos. And you always hear about, like, people have such a short attention span these days. Then why the fuck are we rattling on for 20 minutes in promo segments? Makes I mean, no that's, sense. Uh, that's to keep their attention, to recap everything. It, that's my biggest issue is... You're you're right. They're telling stories. They're just they're they're sharing recaps. There there's no new actual material in their promos. The the best promos, like the the most recent best promo work has been whatever Becky Lynch has been saying, uh, and the the build up to the Ronda Rousey Charlotte Flair match. The Orton and AJ stuff was really good because they had some some history to play on. I think anytime you have like that history to play on, it's it's good. But again, you don't have to just recap everything you've seen for the last four weeks. Like Orton and AJ didn't do that. They they talked about years of work and Charlotte and, and Becky and Rhonda. Like that was a, a lot of yearly like build up kind of stuff. And Rhonda wasn't good in a lot of these segments. But but Becky was really carried on the mic work and again just. Years and years of frustration. That's the best stuff. Is let the character tell their story, not the story that we've all been watching for four weeks. Like you, you watch a television show. They don't just recap. Like they don't have the characters sit there and be like, "Hey, remember what happened last week when we did all this and that and that and that." Like that's what the four, you know, last week on this show. Like that's what that little thirty-second recap is for. And then. You move on. You advance the plot with actual character work of, hey, maybe we'll mention this, and that's why it relates to this, but there's actual development. There's no development with WWE stories. It's just, here's what happened last week. Now I'm going to kind of say this thing right here. Hopefully you cheer for it. And then next week, we're going to do the exact same thing. Pretty much. As a reminder, Let's get to some good wrestling. That's right, we will. Uh, as a reminder, you are listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around. And if you have time, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Before we get to TakeOver 25, Jeremy, uh, WWE is going to WWE. They're going to do some counter-programming on August 31st. They're running the next NXT UK uh, TakeOver special in Cardiff. And that day is also the same day as All Out, which will be taking place later that night. But it's also, and this is where I think WWE is making their big mistake, it's also the same day as the New Japan Pro Wrestling show in London, Royal Quest. And here's my thing is, you know, WWE, their Triple H will tell you, we had this date booked before WrestleMania and all this shit. And you know what? Maybe they did. And this isn't even all about AEW or All Out. 
This is a strategic mistake to me. Because New Japan is running in London. They've already sold between six and 7,000 tickets for that show. The NXT UK TV tapings have not been drawing very well. And I know it's going to be a takeover, but I hope that they have a small building planned. Because I don't know if you were to fill a big building going up against the New Japan show that day. So, August 31st, going to be a busy day. NXT UK TakeOver card of New Japan, uh, Royal Quest in London, and All Out. What do you think? I don't think this is a direct shot at AEW. Um, I do think it's more a shot at an attempted shot at, at New Japan. I believe Triple H when he says, and maybe uh, I'm getting worked, but Papa Paul is, is friendly with the media, and it seems like he he'll speak in tongues a little bit, but seems to be pretty upfront when it comes to this stuff. I believe they've had the date for a while, and they they just now decided to announce it because like he said, like, why are we going to announce this like six months out when, when it's this far away? The, the same thing with, with, um, with all out, like they, they had that date booked. They, they had Chicago. I, I feel like they probably booked Chicago on September 2nd after all in. And they're like, okay, next year, Labor Day, we're coming right back here. Let's book it. And they didn't officially announce it until a week ago. So, I do believe they've had that booked. It's just they didn't officially announce it because you want it. You want the timing to make sense. And this is the takeover special to do it because it's the last big takeover until uh, the SummerSlam one. You're not going to announce it three weeks beforehand. So I, I do think that he is telling the truth in that sense. I don't know. I don't recall when New Japan announced um, the Royal the Royal um, Hall show. Um, it's been a while though that that's been out there for, uh, at least a month, maybe even before that. And I do think that they looked at that and were like, okay, let's go kind of competing with them. And then, you know, all, all elite has their show. It's not a shot at all elite because that like their show is in America. This show is in the UK. Like there's, there's no direct comparison. It's also the, what fourth brand in WWE behind well, that, SmackDown? It's like they're not even going to overlap time wise because this yeah exactly. takeover is going to run three to six and all out if it has a pre-show like the last one will probably start at like seven. Yeah, it, it's not going to overlap or anything. Like if anything, it's it's great for wrestling fans. You pretty much just spend your Saturday watching wrestling if, if you're if you're married or have kids or something. So sorry about them, because um, if you're a wrestling fan, they're they're probably not going to see you much that day. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a shot at at all elite. I I do think there was some intrigue in running uh, near where New Japan was going to run, and I agree with you that it's a mistake because New Japan is going to bring like they're bringing all their top guys and NXT UK. It is very good weekly television. It's easily digestible. They've got a couple stars. At the same time, it's, at least to us here in America, and based on what they're drawing for the for the television tapings as well, it, it's not like, it's not super hot. And New Japan is going to do, and they've got their relationship with Rev Pro, which has helped them 
build up some some equity over over the years. Uh, yeah, it, it's a mistake to to try to think that they can go at New Japan with NXT UK. That's right. So definitely going to be an interesting day at the end of August. We're going to get a lot, a lot of wrestling that day and uh, pretty much that weekend because I'm going to have to probably cover that New Japan show on Sunday because of everything going on. But, I mean, what are you going to do? It should be a lot of good stuff. But I think it's a very interesting choice by uh, WWE there and um, probably not that good a one. Uh, but what was a good time and a very good choice was NXT TakeOver 25, not Bridgeport 25, brought to you by the National Highway Commission. And uh, <laughs> you know what, Jeremy? Again, like I said, uh, not going to pick against TakeOver show till they have a shitty one, and they did not have a shitty one here. Uh, great show overall, but we will start with Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. Matt Riddle defeating Roddy in uh, 1450 via pin. Your thoughts? A great match. We we both thought it was going to be a great match. The right call to open this show. That's one thing that NXT does very well is is the structure and the layout of their shows. They they know which match is going to be super hot and like really get the crowd. Is we we were both concerned about this Bridgeport crowd just because you know it's a bridgeport crowd and hey they were delivered they were great yeah, they they were great and that's a credit to to the workers because they put on great matches but the crowd was into it and didn't just you know they reacted to everything how they needed to react to it and, and so good on the bridgeport crowd um but yeah th- this match what was you either open with this or the latter match just because you would think one of these two would, would be a banger, and, and Riddle and Strong was was definitely the match that you go with, and that's what they went with, and it was fantastic. Matt Riddle continues to just be awesome. It looks like he's getting set up for a title shot now after after beating Strong, and it, Triple H said it on the on the post post media call is like. People are gonna look back at Roderick Strong and be like, "This guy was fucking good," and it's it's true. Th- this guy's very underrated. Like we've been watching him since his ROH days, and I've been a fan of this guy since you know the Messiah of the Backbreaker stuff. When I thought it was just cool how he could just turn everything into a fucking packbreaker, and like he's been around for a while, and he's delivered more often than not. He's easily one of the most reliable and consistent performers in the last decade. Um, no doubt. I can say that with ease and he's just great. But, uh, yes, uh, this was great. Hard hitting sprint style match, just under 15 minutes. Perfect is the opener. And, um, the pacing was great. The crowd was great. I did like that strong. Obviously he's going to work the back to a degree with the back breakers, but he worked the back and ribs, which was a really nice play on the, uh, parking lot attack, which he initially took riddle out with. Home stretch was just really, really good. And uh, as we just kind of talked about, Roddy is, to a point, he is greatly underappreciated. Um, and it was awesome to see him get a takeover singles match, which we talked about last week. And Matt Riddle won with the bro Derek. God, I love Matt Riddle. <laughs> He's fantastic. I'm excited to see him. I hope he shows up on Raw and beats up Brock Lesnar. God bless this man for trying to work himself into a match with Brock Lesnar. I know. I hope he shows up and just kicks Brock in the fucking nuts and beats the shit out of him. It'd be great. 
But yes, uh, Riddle is awesome. So next up, Fatal 4-Way for the vacant NXT Tag Team Championships. The Street Profits versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch versus The Forgotten Sons versus Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. The Street Profits overcame, finally winning the tag titles. 2145, Jeremy, your thoughts. Street Profits, definitely the right call, like we talked about in the preview. It seemed like it was going to come down to them or Undisputed Era. Um, and I'm glad it was them. Like you, you heard that pop for them when they came out. They, these guys have gotten themselves over in a big way. Like they're so charismatic. You can, you can do a lot of different stuff with them with, with their act, and they've gotten better in the ring. So I, I'm glad that they got this moment. They got this victory. I look forward to uh, seeing their 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 title reign because I, I think it can, I think it could be really good. And the like. It's tough to doubt anything NXT does overall. So I have I have high hopes for this title reign. Um, Kyle O'Reilly, God bless that man. He, I don't know how he's feeling this morning. I can't imagine it's very good. The, this man nearly killed himself multiple times. Bobby Fish took a, some insane bumps as well. Those two men, they they made this match like work even better and. You know they were the stars of this match coming into it. They and they got plenty of shine in this match, and they're both so good. So God bless both of them for for working through this match. Uh, Lorcan and Birch were were kind of this just there, and the Forgotten Sons were more or less forgotten. It felt like um, so like they all had their cool spots. Everyone stood out in their own ways, but it was it was clearly a, a Street Profits and Undisputed Era kind of show. The Jackson Riker stuff went on too long for my liking i understand if you want to try to get this guy over and if you're gonna if it leads to something down the line i'll be a little bit more forgivable of it because if you're gonna try to push this guy and have him mean something or you're gonna use him to you're gonna and you're gonna use this whole thing to to build up somebody else like great if this all means something i'll be more forgivable but as a standalone it just went too long for my liking yeah, I thought that that killed a little bit of the momentum in the middle of the match. Um, obviously, the Street Profits and Undisputed Era shine, but um, and I thought I thought everybody really got chance to shine. But uh, I will say Wesley Blake of the Forgotten Sons, God bless that bastard too. He took some really insane bumps himself. I thought he died early in the match when um, yeah, Undisputed Era was they had the ladders and stuff, and then this fucker does a suicide dive and just about. I thought he was going to be stuck in the ladder. He hit it so hard. But yeah, he uh, he was really good there. And you could tell that son of a bitch was like, it's been so long since he's been on a takeover that he just wanted to, you know, he just wanted to go all out. And hey, good on him. But um, really great stuff. Bobby and Kyle need fucking bonus, for, not only for their bumping, but I really felt that they, they were the ones that really held the match together. And um, then like everybody kind of worked around them, and that's that just that's just a veteran presence, you know, just really good at leading things and keeping it together and on point. And yeah, big win for the Street Profits, and it's a it's a really cool story, especially for Angelo Dawkins, because it feels like he's been in fucking developmental forever, and just he went through so much bullshit until he found the. Uh, until they did the street profits here and just uh so it's really cool to see him kind of rise up and 
he gets forgotten a lot because everybody keeps talking about Montez Ford's the star of the team. And, you know, he's probably going to be the one that is the big breakout in the stars. He's a freak athlete. And just, yeah, him and Bianca Belair are going to have, like, beautiful and freaky athletic children that take over the world. Uh, yeah, probably. Um... Dude, genetics and DNA don't <laughs> lie, okay? Look at those two. They're going to have uh, beautiful that, athletic children with amazing abs. That's most likely true. I guess it could go the other way. And, you know, you're like, how how did you two create this? Um, I feel like we're, we're years away from a, a Bianca Belair baby. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm happy for the Street Profits. And they're a team that just might be better off staying in developmental like there's nothing wrong if it takes you that long to get to this point in developmental like you look at a lot of guys in developmental who it it makes the story better it it, it really does is like that that full journey and like that's what happened with these guys and i'm excited for this title reign yeah um, we'll see what happens with them but yeah very very cool moment next up nxt north american champion the velveteen dream defeated tyler breeze Shade under 17 minutes. Uh, I thought it was very good overall. I thought uh, Breeze brought a really good fight, worked really hard. Uh, basically forcing Velveteen Dream to dig into the bag of tricks at the end of the match to retain. Uh, a little jinky and lacked smoothness in parts. There was one part where I think that they were doing a counter spot where Breeze was going to catch him coming off the ropes, but... Either Dream forgot or something happened because Tyler Breeze just enziguried the air. And at least commentary, Nigel was really smart because they talked about how Breeze was bleeding from his ear so he lost his equilibrium and didn't know where he was. So commentary, again, a big difference from the fucking main roster. Commentary actually calling a wrestling match, paying attention, and weaving in things that make sense. And in this case, to cover something. But, um, yeah, just um, very good stuff. And uh, Dream hit the Dream Valley Driver, Purple Rainmaker, and uh, retained the championship. Your thoughts? It was a little clunky in some areas. The the spot you, you mentioned, the, the cross-body spot where Breeze hit the cross-body and it felt like Dream was supposed to roll through and then hit the, the Dream Valley Driver, but the roll-through never happened. So then they kind of... Uh, I think they worked like a single leg, and then Dream hit the 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 Dream Valley Driver. Like you can you can tell they they messed up a couple of things. And you, you're right about the commentary. Is every time they seemingly mess something up, they were quick to point out that oh, Dream, uh, Breeze doesn't have his his census about him um, because he was bleeding. His equilibrium's messed up. Like Nigel was was very good. Morrow is always very good at conveying uh the the proper emotion sometimes it's too much and i'm not a fan of his constant pop culture references but overall morrow is is very good at his job beth phoenix um was there i think um but yeah commentary did a good job the the match overall was it wasn't going to follow the the first two matches i don't think any of us had expectations I told you on a on a technical level, I was I didn't think this this match wasn't going to be like this great technical match. I was more looking for it for the character work, and I think the character work of, of both men 
were, were very strong, like the selfies in the middle of the match, uh, Dream kind of doing his usual parading and whatnot, and then feeling the need to, all right, now I maybe I need this title to try to you know get one up on this guy because he's really pushing me to my limit here. And, and Breeze just being a, a very solid hand, like fighting with that sense of urgency because he knows I failed on the main roster. I'm back down here. I'm not coming back down here to just fail again. Like I, I want this title. I'm here to prove myself. So I thought the the story of it w- was good, and the character work was pretty much what I expected. And the technical work fell more or less where I thought it would. Outside of they they messed a couple things up. Um, dream winning. I'm I'm fine with that. The the selfie at the end. I'll I'll see how it plays out. On one hand, I get that it's like a respect thing and it makes sense. It's not like they had this bitter blood feud or anything. It was just, hey, Breeze is back. He wants the title. Dream's like, you're a failure. You're you're a knockoff. And, you know, he, he still kind of played that up after the match of saying, like, you're not Velveteen Dream. But if you're cool enough to respect me and take this selfie, I will take this selfie with you. I thought it was in the character of both men. I want to see what it leads for for Breeze because I don't think he can come back and just kind of be like a solid hand. There, there's got to be more depth to that character moving forward. I think he should have fucking kicked him in the goddamn nuts because he was pissed <laughs> that he lost. Yeah, he and came, I came back to NXT and you know he gets a title match and then he failed right away. He shouldn't be taking selfies. He's kicking a man's nuts into his stomach and beating the shit out of him. Yeah, so. I like I I agree with that. But again, I will give NXT the benefit of the doubt because they've earned it. To where I I will see how this plays out on television in the in the coming weeks, and maybe maybe it's a slow burn for Breeze to where he he still doesn't have even though he showed the sense of urgency in the match, like he still doesn't have that outside of the match and then it'll slowly kind of start to come to him of all right i can't just turn it on in this match i've got to be like i can't just be this gorgeous person you know when i'm not wrestling i've got to be this gorgeous ass kicker who doesn't give a fuck about these people uh the the whole time like i can't just rest on i was on the main roster and these people love me because of that i've got to be more so i'm willing to see how it plays out but i do agree that it was it was a weird moment for for that time yeah i I hope that they have a good follow-up plan like you said it's like a I tend to trust NXT on things like this, and we'll see if it plays out well, and hopefully it does, but yeah. We then got a Damien Priest video package, which is the artist formerly known as Punishment Martinez, so he should be coming to TV soon, and we'll see what happens with him and how the uh, gimmick works out. And then we moved on to the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler defeating Io Shirai, 12 minutes, 20 seconds via submission. God damn it, Shayna fucked me again because I, I said she was gonna lose, and I, I see it. I, like I even said it, dude. I said I keep calling for it, and I keep getting screwed because I'm I'm always wrong. I have no idea when when she's gonna lose the title. It could be. I mean, you know, it looks like they set up a rematch with the post match here, and um, 
But uh, they had a very good match. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the layout was smart. Good work. Uh, protective finish from uh, Shira- for Shirai, basically, because they did the uh, the babyface uh, kind of pass-out finish deal. Uh, Shayna, I mean, I know there's a lot of people down on the run, but she's really, really good in her role. Her character is on point. Her work is really good. And she's probably the strongest book champion Maybe in the entire company. I, off the top of my head, I was just trying to think of somebody and, I don't know, maybe R-Truth. He's kept that title for a bit. Um, he lost but, it last Tuesday and had to win it back <laughs> It was a three-on-one assault. And then he, he won it back that same night. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it would seem to be Baszler. I really can't think of another champion that that's come off as strong especially for for the period of time like becky lynch has obviously been booked strong but she's held the title for about two months now and she did lose a match uh to lose one of the titles so overall she's strong but no no one no one's been booked as strong as as baszler and i I don't have a problem with her matches i don't have a problem with her her character though I don't even mind that this reign has lasted this long because they've they've built her up as this badass and whoever does finally get one over her is going to I get it's gonna be a huge victory for that woman. It does still feel a little long because there's just a lot of talent and we're we're so used to maybe maybe it's that is that we're so used to these kind of quicker title changes that it just feels weird that we're getting a longer title reign. Uh, but they've done a good job with it. So I can't really complain about that. It's just more of a thing of we're used to something. We're used to titles changing hands every two, three months. And here we go with, with Shayna Baszler, who's now on month, I think like eight of her title reign. And you know, it's it's been good. It, it, she's been doing well with it. So, it I don't mind it. The match was good. the The aftermath is one another one of those things where I will give NXT the benefit of the doubt because EO snapping and you know going off makes sense, except that she didn't have a reason to. And she instance. lost. Yeah, she lost, but she wasn't like screwed over and she's mad she lost that that's fine and that's why again i will you know i'm fine with that like people should care about these wins and losses um she's not taking selfies like tyler breeze yeah uh yeah so like that it's fine but if you're presenting her as this like baby face it's sort of a, a weird thing and that's why like it wasn't a double turn. You're not turning Shayna babyface. That doesn't make any sense. That's why I want to see kind of how it plays out a little bit more. If it is, like, I lost, I'm pissed, I'm tired of this woman, and the crowd rallied behind, rallies behind her. It's like, yeah, fuck that. Like, we're tired of her too. Go EO. Like, show that fire. Go after it. Cool. Then the story is told. The story is perfect. If it was a thing of, you know, I lost. I just kind of lost my cool, and that that wasn't me. Like, I don't know. There's a couple ways they can go with it, and I will again give 
NXT the benefit of the doubt. This this is another thing of like the norm is she would be pissed that um the horsewoman interfered and that's why she snapped because she lost unfairly. Like she lost fair and square, but she still snapped. It can make sense. It's just a break from the norm and we're not used to that. Who are you to doubt Stone Cold Shirai, my friend? Listen, I'm not doubting EO, and I'm not doubting Papa Paul. She's obviously distraught still over Kyrie Zane getting beaten out of the company, and uh, just overall losing. It's a horrible task on the uh, on the mindset. But yeah, the post match was great because EO gets pissed off, gets a kendo stick, beats the shit out of Shayna, hits a moonsault, and grabs the chair, heads up top, and hits a moonsault holding the chair. It was great, and then the best part was. As Shayna lays there in a puddle of fucking goo, just not moving, the crowd chants, you deserve it. Yes. And that speaks to Shayna's like, character work over yep. however long. Is She is a heel. Like You want to see her get this, get her ass beat like she did. It's, it wasn't a double turn thing where, oh, I feel sorry for you. And I don't even think it was a like kind of a Ronda Rousey thing where we just like Rousey was portrayed as a, a baby face when this thing happened with Charlotte where it's like, yeah, we just kind of don't like you because you're being forced upon us and you're kind of like not a nice person. And Baszler's character work is just amazing. And she's gotten everyone to believe like she is the biggest heel in NXT. Darth Baszler, man. She's yeah. <laughs> She's, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing too. That's a, uh, and I always I always laugh. People get all pissy about the "you deserve a chant" and they don't like it being used this way, and they don't like it being used that way, and blah 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 blah. It's like you know what? I'm like, it's fine. Just first of all, it's the crowd. Let them chant at least they're into the show. But this was great though because yeah, it was you have you have just like the evil heel that gets beaten down, and then the crowd. Almost mockingly, just chance you deserve it, which was so great. Uh, they they then announced the uh, NXT UK Takeover Cardiff, which we already talked about, and then it was main event time, and this did not start off good because they had some Jay Brown rapping over Adam Cole's entrance music, <laughs> and this was no good, and. People got mad because I was pissed off in my review, so I wrote, Some asshole is rapping over Cole's entrance and coming into the ring, ruining my jam. How dare you call, and they were like, whatever his name is, an asshole. He worked really hard to get there. And I'm like, well, that's nice. He sucked and ruined the song. How dare you? The the great wrestle and flow. Uh, I do really love the Undisputed Era song, and this was weird because... Like, I don't have a problem this guy getting this spot. It was just, it felt out of place for Adam Cole. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't mind his rap. I thought it was good. Okay, well, you're horribly wrong, so. <laughs> no, I just, uh, yeah, I was not a fan of it. I, I totally dig the, the theme song and everything. It's just, I don't need anything added to it. It felt like one of those main roster things, like adding like the little gunfire shots to Ricochet's theme and the the fucking creep to Aleister Black's music. It's like, this is really good the way it is. How can we fuck it up? And then Vince walks in and goes, I got an idea. This is good shit, pal. 
and they it do was something it was own. it was Josiah Williams. Let's give this man his his proper credit. Well, no disrespect to Mr. Williams, but I did not like it, and it's not that he was bad. It's just that I felt it was a horrible addition to a great song. So I I don't disagree with that. It, it did feel a little bit out of place, um, but you know, gave Adam Cole an extra boost, I guess. Uh, sure. Remember so, when they tried to turn Steve Austin's theme with the rock metal? <laughs> the uh, was it the Disturbed theme? Yeah, Disturbed theme. Yeah. Sometimes entrance themes are just good on their own you don't need to add lyrics and stuff to it yeah there are times where some entrances just need to stay the way they are and then there are times like i've said for a while that like entrances need change like roman reigns entrance just i they needed to freshen him up so bad when he came back and missed opportunity but what can you do anyway main event nxt champion johnny gargano versus adam cole Adam Cole defeats Johnny Gargano just under 32 minutes via pin. And we have a new champion, Jeremy. Your thoughts on the title change and the match? Not quite as good as the New York match. And that's not a knock on this match at all. Because once again, we're arguing like a quarter of a star here. Um, It's just the story wasn't quite as strong. And so that that hurt the the overall emotion at least my overall emotion and the match the the work was just as clean the the character work and the the technical work was was just as clean um i did like that there was no interference we did have kind of the the ref bump on the the suicide dive and there was kind of some shenanigans there but overall a, a just a clean match with two guys busting their ass and adam cole winning is is fine by me because gargano is more of a chase guy and gargano is just a guy who doesn't actually need the title to 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 be over and the like the crowd loves adam cole they they love them in new york they loved them here like during the 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 strike exchange like cole was getting the the yays while gargano was getting the booze like they really really love this guy and i can't blame him he's been fucking fantastic since joining nxt and i'm glad he he got the title because he's going to be very good with the title and i'm looking forward to this run yeah uh, in a way the adam cole title win feels long overdue because in all honesty they really created the north american championship because they felt adam cole needed a title and the whole thing was is they needed to let Ciampa versus Gargano play out so he couldn't win the, the, the main title at the time. So that was really why they kind of brought that in at first because they felt like Adam Cole's a star. He's going to be big for us. And, you know, he needs to come off as important. So that's what they did. So it's really interesting. But, yeah, he um yeah he was fucking over again big here. And yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was quite on the level of the New York match because I love that match and uh, it's kind of in the clubhouse for me for match of the year right now. But I thought this was excellent. It had a great layout, strong pacing. Uh, I liked the work early on of the arm and knee. It was really good. It wasn't that like devastating work that like if they weren't selling full effects right away, people would bitch about. 
because it was done early on in a way that it could pay off later on in more subtle and small ways, which it did because that's what allowed Cole to finally take control at the end where he was he just kind of went ruthless and was dismantling the knee of Gargano. Woof, woof. Anyway, it's the big dog. I have no clue what my dog is going crazy <laughs> over. He's just... He's unhappy with something, and I tried to mute my microphone in time. He, but it's hard. I don't care. You you broke kayfabe. I think there's another dog outside that's walking. He's and... upset that Johnny lost, man. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. He's a Johnny wrestling fan. He does not like Adam Cole. But yeah, but I really liked how uh, late late in the match, Cole just went to dismantling the knee to the point that Gargana really couldn't stand. So you have the hot, hot crowd, great swings of momentum. Gargano's babyface fire and selling juxtaposed against Cole's just desperation and absolute ruthlessness at the end. And, uh, yes, kick-ass, excellent match. They delivered again. And, yeah, hard to complain about it. One thing I will say about the ending of, of TakeOver is they've done such a good job over the years making you believe that the show isn't over after the whole copyright graphic shows up in that I didn't think like undisputed era was going to kick out Adam Cole or they were going to kick out Roderick strong or anything like that. Like I, I truthfully thought that, okay, it's their time to shot now. Like it's these four Adam Cole has the title. I, like they've had gold before they've had the tag titles and the North American title at the same time. Now they've got the, the big gold. And now, like, their whole goal as a group is to protect Adam Cole. Sort of like the, the whole Horseman thing is you protect Adam Cole, you protect this title, and, and that's your run. So I didn't think there was going to be, like, a major turn. But when they're all in the ring and when, you know, you hear inklings of, oh, maybe Roddy Strong isn't going to go too far. You know, Adam Cole is getting big babyface reactions. Maybe you you turn him here and then let him be, like, that a babyface now. Like, they could have done something here if they wanted to. And when they're all in the ring celebrating, even when that like final copyright graphic came up, I'm like, something's going to happen. They're going to turn somebody. So, like Something's got to happen here. I'm glad nothing did happen because I, I think the, the story will be just fine. But it's a credit to just what NXT has done over the years to where you don't know if the show is over when it's over. And it makes you like have to watch and pay attention even after the final match and even after that copyright graphic appears. And and that's a you know, that's something that they've done that really that unpredictability factor that like WWE certainly doesn't have on the main roster. Yeah, I completely agree. I was kind of waiting because it seemed like they you know, they came out and they're 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 celebrating and then like the music's playing, the music's playing, and I'm just, I'm like, is it? Are they going to do something? And then they just didn't, which was okay. Like you said, it's like you don't always have to do something. It's just the fact that there are people like us that in the back of our minds were like, are they going to pull something here? Are they going to pull a big angle? You know, what are they going to do? So, yeah, it's a, I think that's one of those cool things. It's kind of waiting like, it's like when you go to a Marvel movie, it's like you're sitting there and there are those people that are smart enough to sit there because they know that there's an after credit scene coming. And then there are the people that after 23 movies or whatever, still get up and leave. 
And then they go, what do you mean there was something afterwards? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a really cool thing. And it's just, just the fact that we thought something might happen is, you know, it's just, that's kind of good enough for me. It keeps you kind of on your toes and keeps you thinking. Yeah, and, and they've they've built up this equity to where you can do this every single show, where you have that inkling of maybe something happens here. And if nothing happens, cool. Like, nothing has to happen every time. But when something does happen, like, it's, it's a big moment. And then for the next series of shows, you're like, well, something happened here. Maybe it'll happen tonight. And it just makes you pay attention to everything after the match it's not just like a celebration and then the show goes off the air and that's that and sometimes like those moments are cool but it because it they've built that up it makes the celebration feel more special it doesn't just feel like hey this is just a celebration with his friends or whatever you you pay more attention to the celebration you take in the celebration more and if something happens great and if it doesn't you still embrace that moment a little bit more than just all right, Roman Reigns won the title. He's celebrating. We know nothing's going to happen. Can this show just be over? Pretty much. So uh, that that was NXT TakeOver 25. Great show again. Uh, TakeOver delivers again, Jeremy. It's just uh, we keep saying it. It's a broken record, but it's a great one to listen to again. Yeah, until they have a bad show, you, you just assume it's always going to be a great show no matter what the buzz is going into it no matter what the card might look like it's just it's takeover it's like triple h said we let these guys go out there and i don't know if he was indirectly speaking to vince mcmahon but he just basically said we let them go out there we let them do what they do and everyone seems to enjoy that yeah and again that goes back to what we talked about earlier putting performers in a place to succeed and that is sometimes just the most important thing about wrestling. It's it's not overbooked. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I mean, you get five matches and you still leave a lot of talent on the table. And sometimes, you know, that's what has to happen. But that also makes the show feel special because you're not bloating it down with matches that it's like, all right, is this really worth our time and, and and money here and like all of these matches felt special and yeah and it does it's not six hours long it's three hours maybe three and a half hours and, and that's fine so yeah another great takeover event um the save us triple h the, the sooner papa paul is running the whole show the better off everybody will be yeah so again it's just another really yeah and the, the best part is there was a the variety and everything too is uh, another place where they're kind of thriving in that. So coming up this week on Friday is WWE's return to Saudi Arabia, Jeremy, everybody's favorite shows of the year to talk about WWE super showdown, 2019. They stole the name of the Australian show from last year. because <laughs> The fact that they couldn't come up with anything, they just removed the, the hyphen and combined super and combined showdown. Like, are y'all that lazy right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say they are. But yeah, it's just um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess Sweet Saudi Money Three or Will Do Anything for Fifty Million would 
be a little uh, too revealing a title for the show, but what are you going to do? Uh, they, uh, you got to come up with something, guys. Like, enter something into a random name generator. Play play a Total Extreme Warfare where they, they you know, you can suggest a name and they'll give you a pay-per-view name. Just, just something. Like, it's just... It's the epitome of lazy that they can't even come up with a a new name for this show that they haven't used since October. Like they used Super Showdown in October and now they're using it for this. I think their goal is so when people Google this, they actually get the Australia show and they're like, oh, they're not going back to to the unknown city or uh, country of, of Saudi Arabia. They're they're going to Australia. Good on them. This show is taking place in parts unknown, I'll have you know. <laughs> and uh, so we're to start off. We have a 50 Geek Battle Royal to kick things off. And uh, this will be everybody on the show that has nothing to do. Probably a bunch of the 205 Live guys. They'll probably bring in some random NXT guys again, like Baba Tunde and Dan Matha. And maybe we'll get that fake Yokozuna guy again. <laughs> and, um,. Fuck, you know what? Let's put the 24-7 championship on the line here, too. What the hell? Uh, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Like, R-Truth is probably in this thing, right? He's not doing anything else. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he just... Someone tries to pin him in the middle of this match, even though it's a, a battle royal. And, and it it is a battle royal. Are they putting, like... Are they going to do World War Three style? They no, got three rings just, for this? They're sticking 50 fuckers in the ring and ringing the bell, and then within the <laughs> first like 30 seconds, they'll be down to 40. Yeah, you, you would have to because guys aren't moving too much in a 50-man 50, 50 battle royal. Like, there's not a whole lot of room to maneuver there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a cluster. I... The only two names in it are Ricochet and Cesaro, I think. Like, they haven't even announced who the fuck is in this thing. So, I I don't know who's supposed to win this match or even like, whoever's even, even involved in it. Like, I, I don't know. So, Samoa Joe wins. Why not? Battle Royals tend to suck. And you're sticking yeah. 50 fuckers in here. And then you can't expect them to do anything with the winner. Because they had Braun win the 50-man greatest Royal Rumble ever, and they didn't do shit with him. Dude, they they did that. That led to nothing. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal leads to literally nothing every single year. The Women's Battle Royal. I remember Carmella won that thing this year. Like, what has she done? She's still our truth kind of sidekick and helping him out. Like, these Battle Royals... They're they're literally a way to just get everybody on the show. There's no stakes or meaning to any of them. Number one, I'll tell you what Carmella's done since winning that match at WrestleMania. She's looked fine. And well, I she didn't need that. to win. She did not need to win the match to do that. This is true, but she looked fine, and I'm glad <laughs> that she's back to wearing the two piece because uh, girl has some great abs, and you can't be hiding that. I'm just saying, you know. So anyway, who the fuck knows who's going to win? I'm going to say that some relic collecting a check like Big Show Kane or Mark Henry comes back and wins. Sure. So, Lars Sullivan versus the Lucha House Party. You know, I don't know if it's the smartest idea to have a guy who was accused of 
making a bunch of racially insensitive comments online, come back and do his first feud with a bunch of Mexicans. Yeah, Kalisto shooting on him too. <laughs> no. Let's get fucking uh, Sin Cara involved in this too. Lars would be really fucked if Sin Cara <laughs> gets in there. So, yeah, um, Lars is going to kill the little Lucha guys. Uh, I'm sure they'll get in a couple high-flying moves, but they're they're here to pinball around and make them look like a monster. And Yeah, it's um, Lars. Nothing wrong with that. Like they're they're high on Lars. Um, personal history aside, because it seems like many in the company have forgiven him from everything I've read uh, about the situation and kind of have, have heard uh, that's been reported and whatnot. Um, he seems very remorseful, and he has changed it, it was obviously a stupid thing to do but he he seems more re- remorseful and regretful than than say like hulk hogan um so i will put that aside i will just look at him as a a character on WWE television right now and they're obviously booking this man very strong and he'll probably squash these guys Next up, the best in the world, Shane McMahon versus the big dog, Roman Reigns. Fuck this match. Yes. You know, Jeremy, in the year of our Lord 2019, Shane McMahon has somehow managed to be in matches on the Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, Fastlane, WrestleMania, and Money in the Bank pay-per-views. Dude, he's getting television victories, too. Like, this man just penned an Uso the other week. I, I know. Who the fuck besides Vince thinks this is a good idea? I, just, I don't see the purpose or appeal of Shane McMahon in 2019. I really don't. I I don't even know if Shane McMahon sees the purpose or appeal of him. His promo on, I don't remember if it was Raw or SmackDown because of the wild card rule. I think it was the, the Shane McMahon appreciation. That was on SmackDown. He just felt like he did not give a fuck about any of this. And like, that's the worst is you got this guy who we know why he's in this position. He shouldn't be in this position. And like, even he doesn't care to deliver these lines with like any sense of emotion or conviction. He's just going out there. He's like, I know this is bad. I'm sorry, but I'm going to keep doing it. And like, dude, you're the boss's son. Like, just say something. Go away again. Like, remember when you left for all those years? And I'm not saying the television was better, but at least it was one less McMahon on our television. And in uh, Roman Reigns, like, there was hope when he came back because, all right, maybe the maybe they'll do something different with him now. Maybe, like, this is a chance for a nice reboot for Roman Reigns to show a little bit more personality to to show a little bit more vulnerability in there. It's like, no, he's just Roman Reigns again. Here's a feud with an authority figure and the, the, the people, the authority throw at him. It's the same nonsense. And it's like, dude, this worked once big time 20 years ago. Maybe it worked to a smaller extent since then this can't be your only idea. And this is legitimately their 
only idea of how they think a star is supposed to be created and no one cares like no one needs to see the mcmahons get beat up anymore we've seen it a million times it's not fresh it's not exciting they seem bored by it the crowd is bored by it it doesn't work for anybody i assume roman wins because he should if Shane wins, I think it'd be funnier if Shane wins. Like, fuck it. Just put the world title on this guy. I think there's a chance that Shane wins because apparently at Extreme Rules, they're supposed to do, like, Roman versus Shane and, like, Drew McIntyre. So I could see Drew Fantastic. getting involved and fucking over Roman. But, I mean, Roman should really win. I mean, there's I don't care if 800 people come out and beat the shit out of Roman. Shane McMahon should not be winning. It's going to last too long, too. Like, Shane's going to kick out of, like, a spear and a Superman punch. Super and, Shane, baby, yeah. Yeah. I I hope Shane goes for his coast-to-coast and gets speared out of midair again. And, and gets another just, concussion like he did in Survivor Series the yeah. one year. <laughs> yeah, he's just dead, and there, there's no possible way of him kicking out because he's just fucking cut in half. Uh, I, I don't want to see this match. You know, if it ends... In 30 seconds, Superman punch, spear, match over. Uh, I will have no issues with this because that's how it should Fuck, go. Fuck, five stars if that's the case, man. If Roman has to sell for this dude, g- give me a break. Yeah. Not looking forward to it either. Next up, Intercontinental Champion, the Demon Finn Balor versus Andrade. These guys have had some really good outings on TV, but for me, the problem here is they've already said that it's going to be the demon. And the demon usually means short and decisive matches, which means Andrade's probably not going to get a lot here. They're not going to have a great back-and-forth match. And this is a card that really could use a potentially great 12-15 to minute match, which Balor and Andrade could give you, which is likely not happening. My guess is that the Saudi Prince is a big fan of the demon, and that's why we're getting them here. So Finn should win. Yeah, Finn will win because once you announce that it's the demon, you've kind of given away the result. I suspect Andrade will get something in because, I mean, they gave they gave Lashley some offense. At, yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is it's still going to be short. It's probably it's right, not going right. to go past five minutes. Right, right. And yeah, th- this should be a match where you get like 15 minutes. You let these guys just go out there and, and produce. And it's it's not going to be that. It's going to be kind of every single demon Finn Balor match uh it feels like I mean the demon did have longer matches in NXT uh they haven't done that on the the main roster yet and I'm not sure if they will unless they had the 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 long match against Seth Rollins which was the the title match um yeah I don't think it's gonna go overly long and and that's a shame and Balor will win and then he can get drunk again you see this man on Twitter this weekend. I did see that, yes. Broke off his ass with his uh, new girlfriend. This man is living his best life right now. I know, living the life. Good brother Finn Balor, man. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, So next up, we got Lashley versus Braun Strowman. Hoss daddy match between two guys that they... that are just in a fucking holding pattern. Yeah, I don't care about... (laughs) Braun Strowman or Bobby Lashley. Lashley's return has been just about the most disappointing thing you could think of. And Strowman, 
I we've discussed his push slash non-push many times. Like this guy was at one point the hottest thing in the company. They failed to pull any type of trigger on him. They sacrificed him to Brock, and he he, he hasn't been the same since. Excuse me, he won the greatest Royal Rumble of all time ever. That and the the fucking Andre Geek Battle Royal. Like he's a he's won two Royal Rumbles slash Battle Royals in the last year, and I mean look where he's at. He's in a I don't even is this a feud? Like it's just here's Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. I really don't recall if they've interacted on television. I think it's just because of the fucking spillover from all those horrible six man tags. With, sure. like, the boar horsemen and random baby faces. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't. I assume Braun care. wins because they have higher hopes for him than Lashley. Like, Lashley is just a dead cause at this point. Strowman, Strowman they can heat up when they want to. It's just they never... So we can lose never... Brock again, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's just they never want to go, you know, they, they never want the fire to get too big with him. In a match that has been hyped up to a ridiculous degree on TV, because WWE wants you to think that this is some epic fucking feud, Triple H versus Randy Orton. You know, we talked about on the last podcast, we were talking about Triple H matches and how it feels like eons ago since we've had a quality Triple H singles match, which was probably the Dean Ambrose match at that Roadblock pay-per-view. And ever since then, he's been putting on WrestleMania stinkers and sweet Saudi money stinkers with, like, Taker in Australia and Saudi Arabia and just drug Shawn Michaels out of retirement so he could tear his peck and have a shitty match. And Yeah. And, again, it's... There was a time where Triple H was just really, really good and really, really smart. And I think he's really, really smart, but... For some reason, he still thinks it's 2000 and that he can work his 25-minute Ric Flair tribute matches. He can't. You, you know what you know was a good Triple H match that happened in the last year and a half? I'm waiting. The John Cena match from the first Saudi show. Oh, yeah, that was actually a good match. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, and, and like it was a good one. match... Yeah, it was a good match because they opened the show. They they went like 12, 15 they minutes. They worked a house they kinda, show match, man. Yeah, yeah it was worked, fun as hell. Yeah, they, they just kind of got their shit in, and then they got out of there, and, and that was that. I hope this is the same kind of match because we don't need the, the Triple H epic. Uh, those suck. Uh, I think because it's not going to be – don't think it'll be the main event. I don't know what the fuck the main event of this show is. Um, but because it won't be the main event, maybe. If it's the main event, we're all fucked. Um, Triple H is smart to where he's working the main or he's working the open. So if, if this opens the show, I think it might actually be halfway decent in that it'll be simple, it'll be short, they'll just kind of do what they need to do, and, and that'll be that. If it's the main, we're all fucked. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I did. I forgot about that Cena match because I try to wipe these Saudi shows from the memory as soon as I'm done with them. But yeah, it's 
Oh, yeah, that was actually a good matchup. You're right. I, I, I stand corrected. So, uh, yeah, I hope that... Uh, doubt the greatness of Triple H. I Yes, I hope this is short and something like that Cena match as well. Randy Orton should win. And we will move on. Goldberg versus Triple H. Or, sorry, versus The Undertaker. A match everybody Give wanted like 15 ideas. years ago. Yeah, I know. That would be sweet Saudi money for Goldberg and Triple H. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, so Goldberg versus The Undertaker, Jeremy. Uh, sure. It's... <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about this match. Like, it won't be good if it lasts long. I hope it doesn't last long. Like, The Undertaker can barely move. Goldberg is, is fine in, like, short sprints and... You know, the, the Brock match at WrestleMania was, was much better than anyone thought it was going to be. And, you know, it was a quick, like, hard-hitting, like, six, seven, eight-minute match. Um, and it was fine. The Undertaker doesn't need to be taking those bumps uh, like, like Brock did. And Goldberg doesn't need to be taking too many bumps either. Uh, yeah, just hit a spear, hit a jackhammer, hit a kickout, hit a tombstone, kickout hit another jackhammer and then, then Goldberg wins. I don't know. Keep, keep it short. It, the result doesn't matter because these guys aren't going to show up again until the next Saudi show. So whatever, it, it'll be fun for the nostalgia fans out there. I, I was a huge Goldberg fan and you know, then he, it, it's been 20 years. So it's tough to like still get, wax poetic about this guy especially when you, you come to find out he's not like a, a huge a great wrestler as a kid he, he was super impressive but nowadays it's like all right yeah that guy wasn't all that good i long long stopped caring about the undertaker and i was never a big undertaker fan in the first place and yeah i long stopped being like oh it's really cool to see the undertaker um like whatever this guy shows up on all of these shows nowadays and turns in these terrible matches so i i don't care about this match i hope it's short yeah it's short i you know what i just fucking have goldberg win and then if you want you could rematch him at the next saudi show like you said who cares keep the prince happy collect your paycheck get the fuck out of there just try not to put on a completely shitty show for me that's all i ask wwe champion kofi kingston defending against Dolph Ziggler because Kevin Owens said, I'm not going to Saudi Arabia. So they called upon Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> you you knew when Dolph Ziggler attacked Kofi, you knew the promo he was going to cut. Everyone knew the promo he was going to cut. It's all about me. <laughs> it's all about Raven. It, it's the whole it should have been me should have been my spot like this is this is the same story they've been telling with this dude for years now like it's my last shot it's it, you know it should have i should have been the champion i should have been in that spot it's the same nonsense with this dude and i don't even dislike Dolph as a performer i think he puts on good matches i think this match will actually be good because they'll get time and, and Dolph will work hard and Kofi always works hard so I don't think the match will be all that bad it's just Dolph was never a huge star 
but because he's been around for a while and he go and he's been away, he comes back and he gets treated like a bigger deal than he actually is. And, and that's again a, an issue with the WWE star making system. Is I think in a in a different universe. Dolph could be a big star when he comes back for these appearances. He could be very Jericho-esque in coming back uh, when he does, but they never allowed him to get to that level that they allowed somebody like Chris Jericho. And so when he comes back, it's really just... It's low-rent Chris Jericho, one, because he's not as good, two, because it's literally the same character he always played. At least Jericho reinvented himself. Dolph is just, it's the same fucking guy every time. Yeah, I mean, it's fine for a replacement match for the Owens thing. I I think the comeback, you know, the return came off pretty well, but it's just like, you know, it's like, this is like, and they haven't had a match for a while, but like, They've had, like, well over 20 singles matches. And it's just, like, I'm not, you know, over the years. And I'm just, like, not really looking forward to it. I'm sure, like you said, it'd probably be good. Kofi wins. Hope he beats the shit out of him with a plate of pancakes at the end. (laughs) But, like, this adds to the story. And, all right, it was the promo we all expected. Like, they did have the feud a long time ago. And they had a a long series of matches. And you kind of see where their careers went. Dolph stayed pretty much on that same level kofi was down got picked up by the new day and and now is at at the the top of top of the ladder and so the story of dolph being like you know that should have been me we were neck and neck like how did you surpass me even though you know in his mind like i worked harder i was getting the the bigger pops and everything you know i i want that spot it all makes sense the problem is it's just the same story they've told so many times with Dolph Ziggler that it's like, you know, maybe these other guys keep getting that spot over you because you're just not as good as you think you are. And because you haven't been presented in that way, we don't have a reason to care about you on that level. And like that, that's just what it is. I, again, I think this match will be good assuming it gets the time because Kofi's great. Dolph works hard. They have some history to play into, and it'll be that. It's just, it's it's Dolph Ziggler in 2019 doing the same act he was doing 10 years ago, and it just, it it wasn't a star making act. It wasn't a big deal then. Why am I supposed to believe it's a big deal now? Because it's good shit, pal. <laughs> it's Dolph Ziggler. He's done very well of just knowing when to kind of go away and then he comes back and he he makes himself feel like a bigger deal uh because if he was there on television every week it'd just be like okay yeah it's it's Dolph Ziggler whatever but because he kind of goes away and comes back it's one of those it's it's why it's one of those things where Vince just likes you more when you you've had time away you know maybe he should do that with all of his guys is give them a month off and finally, we come to Universal Champion Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Here we go. Keep in mind, we are recording this on Sunday, and Brock Lesnar is allegedly cashing in his money in the bank on Monday's Raw. I I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that money in the bank title. Corey Graves doesn't know. Like I don't think anyone knows. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this 
about you can't first off you can't headline the show with this my god i i will say this about baron corbin and it's something i i said after wrestlemania if you're going to give this man that win over kurt angle you better have a good follow-up with him don't just bury him and just have him mean nothing and have that win mean nothing and to their credit They've had a good follow-up with him. We can argue all day about Baron Corbin being the guy, not being the guy. He's not. He's boring. He he, he plays his character very well. I, I don't care to watch him wrestle for more than two minutes. But I will give them credit in that they've pushed this guy like a big deal after giving him that, that Kurt Angle win. And, and that counts for something because at least they've – tried to make this guy out to be like a star even if he's not the star we are all wishing upon uh the whole money in the bank thing kind of complicates this because it almost feels like brock will get added to this match or corbin will get taken out of this match or i i don't know like that that's something that's got to be settled on monday i guess as it stands baron corbin's not beating seth rollins yeah, I, I kind of have the feeling that because Brock has been advertised for this card, I kind of have a feeling we get the average Rollins versus Corbin match, and then they have a boombox Brock uh, cash in in Saudi to make the Prince happy and give him his $50 million worth. Yeah, Brock's been advertised, and I mean, unless he's going to win the Battle Royal. Um, AJ is also like on the poster, but he's hurt. I, maybe he gets thrown in the Battle Royal as well like brock is appearing in some capacity on this show we we know that much and we just don't know how he's going to be added just yet like they're not going to waste them in that battle royal so it, it would make sense of he either gets added into this as a, a triple threat thing um after something happens on raw or as you said he waits till the end of this match and, and cashes in yeah, so who knows what they're gonna do, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and that's gonna kind of wrap up. Wait, the... I have one. I have one question for you. I have okay. One question. Is this show bigger than WrestleMania? It's bigger to. It's bigger or is equal to than as WrestleMania. They say. <laughs> that's what Michael Cole has been telling me every week. And How... God knows Michael Cole would not lie to us. How stupid do like is it necessary to do that they you know what they should do monday they should have michael cole come on and be like wwe super show listen we're gonna be really fucking honest with you we're only doing this show because we make 50 million dollars and it's technically a bigger revenue than wrestlemania that's the only reason we're hyping it. It's our little secret. We know you guys hate the Saudi government and the whole genocide and killing people thing. But if you watch the show, we'll try not to ram it down your throat. Thanks. <laughs> uh, like, advertising it as greater than or equal to WrestleMania, just, it devalues, it devalues WrestleMania and it, it truthfully devalues this show because you can't look at this card and tell me like, oh yeah, this is like on the level of a WrestleMania. Like you've got matches thrown together in two, three weeks. We've got matches with 
with no build. Your universal title match features Baron Corbin. Like, there's... The the women aren't on the fucking show. You Your WrestleMania was just headlined by three women, and they're not even allowed to make the flight over uh, to the country to perform on this show. Like, it's it just... It's so disingenuous. And I know it's the wrestling business. I know it's lying. But this is why people have problems with WWE and just kind of their their whole culture is because they do shit like this. Just don't say it. Like I don't think the Saudis are going to be upset if you don't promote this as being greater than or equal to WrestleMania. If you just promote this as, hey, it's a big show, then they'll they'll be fine. Like don't say it. What do you, what do you have to gain by saying this? Listen, I don't know why you're up in arms about the women not being on the show. They let Renee Young go there last year, and they're letting some women folk drive over there in Saudi Arabia, my friend. The propaganda can, videos told me show. You can only create change if you go over there. Yeah, well, you know, what the fuck ever. I don't know. Anyway, so that'll wrap us up for today. Uh, Jeremy and I will be back later this week. We will review the Best of Super Junior Finals, and we will preview the Big Dominion show this weekend. Jeremy, I have a gigantic prediction for Dominion. Might have worked myself into a shoot, but uh, it's going to be big. If I come through with it, I will take the biggest victory lap ever. But uh, we'll see what happens. We will talk about that. Moxley debuting on Wednesday. And then uh, big stuff with uh, Jericho Nakata and Big Tom Ishii and Taichi on uh, Sunday. As well as Ibushi and Naito in a rematch who have already had two top-tier match of the year contenders. So a lot of good stuff to look forward to. And like I said, we will review the finals and preview Dominion later this week. Thank you for Shingo joining us. Shingo and Osprey on Wednesday. Yeah, so that's what it's looking like. So remember, you can follow the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please subscribe and share to the show. We greatly appreciate it. We're coming off of our most listened to episode ever. And just once again, for Jeremy and Steve Cook, for who do the podcast with me, we greatly appreciate it. Happy wrestling, everybody.